0: Good evening. This is Justin Ford in the studio for Africa Christian Action Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. Tonight we are discussing effective evangelism, the greatest work in the world. Recently, you and your team, Dr. Hammond, were out and about on the streets around the Cape Peninsula. What were you doing?
1: Well, we mobilized six teams, 36 evangelists in six different areas. We're everywhere from Worcester, Tableview, uh, to Seapoint Promenade, down the Cape Town Gardens, out in Plumstead, uh, uh, all over. Uh, there was it was a really good time of distributing a lot of literature. Uh, we were first and foremost. It was Women's Day, the the ninth of of uh, the month of August, and we were distributing large amounts of literature that uh, was also speaking out against uh, human trafficking and making people aware that. And most people are shocked when they hear there's 45 million slaves in the world today and uh, the human trafficking is a real problem and what we can do to recognize and counter it and speak up for people who need to be spoken up for and rescued. But also we're proclaiming the gospel. We were trying to use Women's Day as a launch and opportunity to be able to make people more aware of issues where women are vulnerable and to mobilize local Christians to take dominion and evangelize their neighbors and their communities.
0: In short, you were engaging in evangelism, but before we continue talking about your adventures on the streets and in the malls of Cape Town, can you tell us a bit about the term evangelism and the core message that evangelists aim to communicate?
1: Yes, uh, we are giving people good news, and the good news is, although God is a holy and just and righteous God, he's the creator and the eternal judge, but he also has come to this world in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the Savior, he is the Redeemer. So there's an element of law and there's grace. We must give people a bad news, and the bad news is God is holy, we are sinful, we are actually depraved, we've broken God's laws, and it is a point the man wants to run off the, the judgment. I mean, that is the bad news, but it's the truth. And then there's the grace, and that is when people recognize that they are lost, that we need a saviour, then we can point them to Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except to him. So we are lost, but Jesus is the way. We are deceived, but he is the truth. We are dead in our trespasses, but he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, evangelism, uh, biblically, always has to uh, include the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's so uh, vital that we're proclaiming The person, a Christ-centered message emphasizing his death and glorious resurrection. We're proclaiming a gift, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of adoption, and the gift of reconciliation with God. And we're looking for a response, um, repentance, faith in Christ, baptism. And uh, this is a key part of any good evangelism. Evangelism must include the incarnation, uh, forgiveness of sins, the strikes at the heart of the problems. We're not just victims needing deliverance. We are sinners needing forgiveness. And we proclaim the resurrection, Jesus Christ alive, he is Lord, he is reigning on high, he is coming again to judge the living and dead. So we're preaching Christ, we're preaching the person of Jesus Christ, and so any good evangelism is Christ-censored, and
0: it calls for response. Please distinguish between a missionary and an evangelist.
1: Right, so an evangelist proclaims the evangel, the gospel, the good news. Uh, a missionary crosses borders to do so. So the message is the same. Whether you're called to go across the street or whether you're called to go across the world, our message is the same. And we are to make disciples. We teach obedience to all things the Lord has commanded. Uh, but um, if you take the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you get a verse that summarizes the whole uh, development of the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So in Jerusalem, that's where the gospel started, where they start, And that's E0, that's evangelism. That's not missions because you're not crossing boundaries. So evangelism is preaching to your own people and neighbors in your own language, uh, in your own culture and community, and you don't actually have to travel far or learn anything else to, to do so. That's evangelism. Uh, Mission starts and in Judea. Now that's the same people, same language, same culture, but it's a geographically further away. So that's E1. You're just crossing a bit of a geographic boundary. And then Sumeria. Well, now you're crossing linguistic, cultural, religious boundaries and a bit of geographical as well. And then there's the utmost parts of Earth, you know, going to Mongolia, Saudi Arabia, so you're crossing every boundary possible. So that in missiology terms is E0 is your Jerusalem, your own community. Whereas E1, that's where mission starts, is you started to cross boundaries until E3, utmost part. So uh, while the message is the same for an evangelist or or a missionary, the uh, uh, amount of boundaries you cross is what differs. And missionaries are people who have to cross boundaries.
0: And the challenges increase with each level.
1: Yes, Indeed.
0: For over 27 years, you and your team have organized missions in the malls, setting up display tables, and doing mass literature distribution in busy shopping centers. How have you managed to do this, and what led you to organize these outreaches in public places?
1: Roger, right, it started in 1995. Um, we were really a little um, concerned that our government had abolished the long-standing Ascension Day, but we saw that there were a whole lot of new holidays set up like Youth Day, Women's Day, Freedom Day. So we decided to use these as opportunities for evangelism. And on Women's Day, we thought, well, a little bit of hypocrisy going on here. The same politicians who are working to legalize pornography and prostitution are uh, talking about women's rights and women's days. We thought, well, women need protection and respect. Um, we should ban pornography and we should respect and protect women. But um at any rate, so we thought, well, let's let's do some displays. And initially, our displays were primarily against uh, the scourge of pornography, which was just being legalized in the country at that stage. But as the years progressed, we saw more and more the threat of human trafficking too. And so the emphasis has been to tackle different issues that threaten women. So right from the start, we would, for example, have some people would donate flowers, chocolates. And so Happy Women's Day, we'd be giving the woman flour, chocolate, and uh, uh, some leaflets uh, relevant to them. And the men, we'd be giving them literature, for example, exposing the the dangers of pornography and so on. And then later on, more and more of the human trafficking, and always evangelistic materials, gospel literature, World Missionary Press, gospel booklets, and and suitable tracts. And we would ask permission from the different shopping malls if we could set up a, a Women's Day display and... Uh, they were normally normally very pleased and happy to have uh, something that would add value to the shopper's experience. And many of the shopping malls everywhere from Somerset West, uh, Canal Walk, all over, sometimes we could have seven shopping malls open at a single time. Sometimes we were scattered across the country at 10 different locations with 100 volunteers. Um, but over the years, we found uh, more and more shopping malls uh, getting close to the idea of having a display, and we think it's because of people who've got an anti-Christian agenda. In many cases, we've seen uh, less and less of Christian shopping mall uh, managers or those dealing with the charity displays. And uh, so there's been more and more restrictions. And, of course, with the COVID cult lockdown lunacy of um, uh, 2020, then suddenly all the shopping malls seem to be closed. So what we did on that occasion is we went onto the streets, we went uh, onto busy public areas um, for example 2020 we went to Seapoint Promenade, we uh, went to the uh, Boat and streets big traffic island distributed to passing motorists and we, we distributed thousands of in fact 2020 I think our team's distributed over 18,000 Bibles and New Testaments, Gospels and Tracts on that day doing that outreach so in fact we found going out of the malls onto the streets was even more effective well this year we, we um, only had one shopping mall uh, that was open for us and the rest of us went on streets and uh, busy promenades uh, such as Seapoint Promenade and getting into conversations. But the goal is to campaign against human trafficking, to proclaim the gospel, and to be able to engage in evangelistic conversations. And uh, each year we've been able to, to uh, witness to and evangelize hundreds of people, distributing thousands of leaflets, but praying with and counseling sometimes dozens of people and um, uh, giving New Testaments to people who commit their lives the Lord. So it's been a wonderful initiative. And this year, we had six teams of 36 evangelists in six areas.
0: There's a term called culture jamming, where people hijack a billboard or something and change the message. And it seems that's what you've been engaging in by um, hijacking the humanist public holidays. Well, I'd prefer to use the word redeeming. Redeeming, indeed. Do you find these outdoor open-air and mall outreaches effective? And what kind of reception do you receive from the public? Yes, they
1: certainly are effective. We manage to distribute vast amounts of literature. We get a lot of people into evangelistic conversations. Uh, We uh, answer many questions. And uh, there's people who get on our mailing list and who want to stay in contact with us. There's people who decide... Include me next time. I want to be involved in, in helping with this. This is a great initiative. And the response are overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly positive. You get a few people who are not interested. Um, but generally speaking, there's there's politeness and appreciation and even people thanking us for being there. So uh, I think the response we get to the public is overwhelmingly good. And uh, for example, this year, many people giving thumbs up and giving a friendly hoot on a uh, who are appreciating what we're doing and and standing. And people coming and saying, can I help you? Uh, can you give me some literature to help distribute? And uh, people who, are, you know, can I have some more for this and this neighbor? And so there's no doubt that that most people appreciate. And this year I, I was personally having conversations with Jewish people, with many Muslim people, uh, with people who identified themselves as atheists and agnostics. And... Uh, Uh, Of course, all kinds of different Christians and people who belong to to some competing religions getting into some interesting conversations. But it's all good and positive because – and I think we were also blessed this year by very good weather. Lovely sunny day. I think um, because we could be uh, in the um, company gardens, we could be out in Seapoint Promenade along the Tableview Beachfront. It was a very good, positive response. It looks like the people are so glad to have people reaching out. In fact, I remember in 2020, uh, some people just thanking me for greeting them and for shaking their hand. And you know, I haven't had anyone shake my hand and, since the lockdown and you know, things like this, and just people being grateful to have a conversation.
0: During many of your outreaches, you've made use of a rather novel evangelistic tool, uh, surveys. What kind of form does this take, and would you recommend churches and ministries to use surveys?
1: Yes, I think surveys are very helpful because, first of all, you can't assume that everyone comes from the same area. So Wave the Master and Evangelism Explosion have given some ideas of good questions you can ask people. So what we've done is we've put together a spiritual well-being survey, which people can get from our christianaction.org.seller website and we'll gladly send it to you if you are wanting so that you can print out and and, uh, or adapt for your own purposes and we start off by asking people how would you describe God and how do you think God should deal with uh, human traffickers and rapists and uh, uh, how do you think God will judge them and you can then start asking uh, questions like if you were to ask God for one thing what would it be So we try and find out what they think of God, where they're coming from. And then uh, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Most people say, I'm a very good person. How many of the Ten Commandments can you remember? Well, most at least remember things like don't lie or steal, don't murder. So you can then say, now, would you mind if I asked you some questions to see uh, if you really are a good person? Most people want to justify themselves, certainly. Well, have you ever told a lie? Most people admit immediately yes. Have you ever stolen anything? Most people admit yes. And those who, who don't, you say, well, you just admitted that you're a liar. Um, have you never borrowed something and failed to return it, broken something and failed to repair it? No, yeah, okay, well, one, two, I was very young. and okay. Don't you think that's another lie? Yeah, that's true, I've done more often than that. Okay, um, have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yes, some people say many times. Have you ever committed adultery? Some people, no. Do you know that Jesus said, if you look with lust, it's like committing adultery in your heart. Have you ever done that? Yes. Have you ever murdered someone? Well, believe it or not, I've met numbers of people who said yes. Um, generally on the Cape Flats and some of them look like gangsters. and uh, But most people say no and they look relieved with you. There's a command I didn't break. Do you know that Jesus said if you hate someone, it's like committing murder in your heart? And that's a bit of a shock to many people. And so you can say, so by your own description. You're lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterous, murderer, at heart. And you said you're a good person. Now, how do you think God is going to receive you on Day of Judgment? If, If God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you answer? Now, here you start to get questions which can vary on salvation by works. The average person would say things like, well, I'm a good person, I was baptized, I've gone to church, I've put some money in an offering, I've done some good deeds, my sisters are nun. You start to get some interesting responses. But it all is a variation of works, basically, isn't it? And so you can say, um, if God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? How can a holy God allow sinful people like you and I into his heaven? And this is the dilemma, most people haven't considered that that. Uh, yet, And so the spiritual wellbeing being survey takes people through some of these way of the master evangelism explosion questions uh, to get to the point of uh, can I explain to you the way how you can know for certain that you have eternal life so that you can share the gospel and then can ask the people if they'd like you to pray with them, which surprising amounts are willing to and you know, may I offer you a New Testament. So sometimes what we do in the shopping malls is offer people a free New Testament or DVD if they complete the survey. And so, you know, that often draws people in. If we're on the streets, um, we sometimes just ask the survey straight off. But uh, what this does is um, it's a point of contact. It gets a conversation going. You get the people opening up. You get to understand where they are. You get to tailor-make the message that way that's more appropriate. Obviously, a person who responds, I'm a Catholic or I'm Muslim or I'm Jewish, it would redirect the way you present the gospel to some degree. You understand where they're coming from. And... uh, their responses can guide how we then redirect the conversation in a way that will make the gospel understandable to them.
0: Are these surveys um, merely a tool to initiate conversation or is the information actually collated and analyzed?
1: Actually, the information is collated and analyzed. Well, the primary purpose is that we can have points of contact and get a conversation going, we do analyze because that helps us to understand how to design tracks, radio programs, and so on, to know the kind of questions people ask and the kind of things people are concerned about. And for example, it's quite disturbing to see how many people, when you ask them questions like, how do you think the government should deal with crime? And a lot of people come up with strange things like, the government must forgive, which is a confusion of the difference between the ministry of grace and the church and the ministry of justice and the state. And it's not the government's job to forgive. That's, that's what God does. And he entrusts the church with the ministry of reconciliation. But the task of government is to protect lives and property and instill respect for lives and property by punishing crime. And therefore, it's a strange idea when you get some people who don't seem to understand the purpose of government. Uh, but there's many strange things you get in the streets, and it just helps us design more effective radio programs and literature in the future.
0: Uh, could one roughly categorize evangelism into two categories, uh, direct communication and leading by example or so-called servant evangelism?
1: I think you can because our Lord Jesus said, preach the gospel, heal the sick. And so healing and preaching went together from the beginning. And, and of course, the missionaries who did just that, like David Livingston and Hudson Taylor went out and uh, they, they both set up clinics and sought to heal bodies with the best medical knowledge they had available and, and to proclaim the gospel. So... We evangelize by word and deed, by our lives and by our lips. You can see the Lord Jesus preached the gospel, and he, he met people's needs. I mean, he fed people, he uh, healed people, he uh, changed people's lives, he answered prayers. And so faith in action, I think that's the most effective. People must hear the gospel because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But to be honest, the most powerful sermon illustration is the life of integrity of a Christian neighbor or even stranger, who lives the gospel out.
0: Clearly, your recent activities on the streets of Cape Town fall into the first category of direct communication. Have you also engaged in the servant evangelism? We do. So,
1: for example, we've sometimes joined with the uh, street workers, the street workers, evangelists in the evening, especially Friday evenings. We go out the streets and interact with the jawless, so to speak. And in every team, we've got people who we have... Plastic gloves, and we're picking up litter and putting into bags. We're cleaning the streets literally. And then we've got bags where we've got uh, some food and drinks uh, to give to some of the homeless people and people by the side of the road. Um, So we are trying to help beautify and clean there in many places, whether we're going to do a life chain on Burton Crux Streets on the island then, we'll have a few designated people who just pick up litter and cleaning up. We've done this on the beach and Sea Point and so on too. Uh, Or like what we do up at Rhodes Memorial, cleaning up uh, after the fire and getting rid of the rubble and and, um, uh, the litter and so on. So I think it's important that Christians show, by example, that we get out there and we try and improve the community and we're doing something practical. Uh, Love in action, that's part of it. So when I go into the field, we're often delivering medicines. Uh, Going in Zimbabwe, we're taking boxes with love to prisoners, pensioners, Uh, destitute people uh, in in desperate need and we're putting 60 or 70 different key items in a a box uh, that can be given to these people. It's just got lots of great things from uh, pharmaceutical products, uh, toiletries, uh, food and and so on that that they need that's very rare uh, to find and and it's really going to help them in Zimbabwe. So I think it's so important that we help, uh, whether we're talking about prisoner ministry and so on. Um, As Christians, Yes, what we say is important, but what we do is also seriously important. And so words and deeds, by lip and by life, um, feet on the streets, boots on the ground. Um, it's important that we do what we can.
0: A very interesting and very relevant local example of servant evangelism has come to light in the latest edition, the winter 2022 edition of Go Plateland magazine. I'm referring to a group called Kristen Aksi Network or CAN. What can you tell us about them?
1: Well, this is a lovely um, article in the Garden Diary in Durbanville, how you can make a difference in your town. And here's a group that just got together to clean up the pavements, entrances, the traffic islands in Durbanville. It used to be covered in weeds and rubbish. And now they've made beautiful, colorful garden patches. And it's a nonprofit group. And uh, so here you've got a double-paged uh, uh, expose Um, in the Platterland, and um, page 112 and 113, I see. And, uh, wow, what an inspiring... And you can see, uh, it's sort of also what we've tried to do with Friends of Rhodes Memorial, cleaning up after the fires up at Rhodes and trying to clean up the area there. And uh, sometimes we try and do this around Rondebosch Common and other public places. But it's not enough to wait for the municipality and say, oh, well, it's someone else's job. Well, if they're not doing it... Isn't it good to just take initiative? And here you've got the, uh, the kristen Axi network um, it, making a stand in Durbanville and just beautifying the area. Now, that to me is love in action. That's loving a neighbor. That's doing to others you want to be done unto. It's being an example. And it should get people's attention because uh, we had something like this uh, in Rondebosch some time ago. that The local fountain was smashed over by some truck and it was in ruins for ages. Well, some man took it upon himself to... Um, reconstruct to the original specs uh, and everything, down to the light. It was one of the first electric lights in the Cape, uh, and certainly the first in the Cape Peninsula. And it's a water trough for for horses and for dogs. Uh, There's a higher water trough and there's a lower one. Um, And uh, beautiful, and it was considered, you know, a a part of of Rondelbosch. And again, instead of waiting for others to do it, a um, a local... uh, businessman, decided to to fund this, and uh, he managed to replace it, and it's been such a joy. For over two years now, we've had this back, and uh, again, instead of just standing around asking, why doesn't somebody do something about this? How nice when a person says, what can I do about this? And, you know, as the Lord said, uh, like with the parable of the Good Samaritan, who's the neighbor? Not like the priest and the lawyer who walked by on the other side of the road, but the Good Samaritan who stopped and, and met the need. So, uh, the Lord then to his disciples, go and do likewise.
0: Yes, it's very uh, eloquent and a very clear message when self-sacrificial private citizens explicitly identifying as Christians take the initiative. Some people would question whether in this day and age open air preaching and direct personal evangelism in the streets is biblical. Some would say hmm. that one should keep religion within the four walls of the church. How would you respond to that?
1: Well, I'd like to see what Bible verse they're trying to find for that because (laughs) um, there were no churches when the Bible was written. There were no church buildings when the Bible was written. Jesus preached open air and in the streets and in the marketplaces, and so did the apostles and disciples. So nobody can try and tell me it's unbiblical to do what Jesus did and what all the apostles did, (laughs) which is to preach in the streets and open air. In fact, Jesus sent his disciples to go into all the world, preach gospel to every creature. He didn't say go and open up a church and invite people to come in which you can do as well, but the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations, preach uh, repentance and a forgiveness of sins to all nations, to make disciples of all nations. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And he breathed in him, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And there's no suggestion that you can only do this within the four walls of a church, which did not exist at the time the Bible was written. How could it? In fact, um, the Roman Empire persecuted Christians for most of the first 300 years of the church. So, uh, the idea that you can only do your work within the four walls of the church is nonsense, and uh, when our Lord did not. And again, uh, bear in mind that the calling of the church is to prepare the members of God's body for the work of service in the world. I've seen quite a few churches around the world that have a sign on the inside of their door leading to the outside saying, You're now entering the mission field. That's a good reminder, or even at, at the uh, end of the parking lot before you go into the main road, you are now entering the mission field. I think we need to remind our people of that the church is not where it happens. Church is where we are prepared and trained for the work that needs to take place in the world. Now, of course, the church is for worship, but the world is for ministry. In the parable of the so- seed and the sower, there's two parables in Matthew 13 of the seed and the sower. In the first parable, we are the sowers. And the seed is the word of God, and the field is the world. And so we sow some of the word of God in people's lives, maybe through a word, testimony, art, music, or through literature. In the second parable so God is the sower, and we, the sons and daughters of the kingdom, are the seed, and the world is the field. So just as we are meant to be sowing gospel seed in people's lives, God is sowing us in some part of the community where we are meant to put down roots and bear fruit for the benefit of others. So, yes, um, I think it's so important that we make an impact and improve our communities. How can we do that without going out into the streets where people are, which can include now in digital marketplaces and so on, but make no mistake, there's a place for us to go into, not just all the geographic world, but every area and facet of the world.
0: Obviously, God has blessed public evangelism and open-air preaching in the past. However, there are those who would say that in this modern age, we need to adapt our methods and that people are generally closed to any form of confrontation with the gospel in modern marketplaces like shopping malls and on the streets?
1: Well, um, our personal experience finds that's not so, because we've been for 27 years going out every Woman's Day and on many other occasions too, into marketplaces, into shopping malls, and we found thousands of people... Very happy, responsive, hundreds thanking us for doing this and very grateful balloons of scripture verses put on, given to their children, um, uh, materials put in their hands, surveys done, New Testaments given, people who had prayer requests that we were praying with them. You know, we've got a hurting world out there. There are many people who are going through griefs and struggles who's so grateful for someone to reach out to them. So, no, I, I find... While you get a few negatives, the vast majority of people in the 90-something percents are very positive and appreciative.
0: Turning to another form of direct evangelism, have you found door-to-door evangelism effective? Have you done a lot of this?
1: Yes, very effective, and it's still effective. And in some areas, like uh, in Muslim communities, uh, it's often the only way you can go. And Many of the Muslim communities are very hospitable, invite you in, offer you coffee. So door-to-door, well, Evangelism Explosion was built in that, and James Kennedy built a massive church, of 12,000 members in America primarily based on door-to-door every
0: week. Has modern technology, particularly digital technology, had a negative or positive effect on your evangelism?
1: I'd say very positive. Right from the beginning we've been using gospel recordings, uh, film evangelism, and now we're using digital libraries and uh, uh, social media evangelism and podcasts and platforms and the World Wide Web. So no, uh, we should embrace the technology. Martin Luther used the printing press, which was the best technology available in his time, and launched the Reformation. We should continue to innovate. The message doesn't change, but the methods, we can certainly use any technology that will advance the gospel.
0: Many are intimidated by the idea of public evangelism, open air ministry, street literature distribution, or personal evangelism what training and resources could help prepare a person for one-on-one evangelism or mass evangelism?
1: I would recommend Evangelism Explosion and Way of the Master, two of the very best training programs out there. And, of course, we also um, run the Great Commission course.
0: As our time is almost out, Dr. Hammond, please give our listeners contact details where they can learn more and obtain resources for effective evangelism in their own neighborhood.
1: Right. If you want to contact us, it's mission at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za, and uh, you can go on our website, www.frontlinemissionsa.org. Frontlinemissionsa.org. We'll be delighted to hear from you. You can put you on the main list. And look out for Frontline Fellowship and Africa Christian Action on Facebook as well.
0: Please join us next week at the same time, 104 FM on Radio Tigerberg, for the next program of Salt and Light. God bless and good night.